Welcome to the Drawscast Podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. And now, coming to you live from the palatial Drawscast Studios and streaming worldwide, ladies and gentlemen, Draws. All right, folks, thank you, and welcome back to the Drawscast. I am very excited to be with you again. I hope that you've been continuing to listen to the Drawscast. We have some great interviews that uh, we've downloaded over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I have another great interview uh, here today with me. Uh, he is the GM at the Briarwood Country Club in a city just outside of Buffalo, New York called Hamburg. And his name is Spencer Murray. Uh, and Spencer and I uh, know each other through some work that we've done together through the National Restaurant Association. And uh, we've been working on getting Spencer on the show for quite some time. So, uh, Spencer Murray, welcome to the Drawscast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's good, it's good to finally make this happen with you. I'm looking forward to, to getting into it with you. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. Um, in, in a previous uh, podcast, I had a gentleman by the name of Aaron Primo on, and I called him a whiz kid because uh, he's done quite a bit in his uh, years that he's been a uh, professional, and, and I kind of put you into that group, uh, not so much because your age, because frankly, I don't know how much or how old you are. You don't need to tell me that, but I think that you've done a lot for the number of years that you've uh, been making a living for yourself. So that's another reason why I wanted to have you on uh, the Drawscast. So um, so before we get into your professional career, I like to kind of set it up and find out a little bit of background uh, about the, the people that I interview. So uh, where did you grow up? What city specific did you grow up in? Sure. So uh, I'll start off. I'll tell you, I'm 31. So we can get that out of the way. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, then you can be a whiz kid because 31. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's a whiz kid. I, and, I, and I accept that. Um, okay. I grew up basically in Buffalo, New York, um, in just a suburbs uh, village called Williamsville, um, just <clears throat> 15 minutes outside of the city. Um, you know, my, my dad was a military guy. He was in the 82nd Airborne, and uh, he was a JAG officer as well, too, so a military lawyer. Um, and uh, my brother and sister were both born at Fort Bragg down in North Carolina. And then my dad moved up to Buffalo to start his own private practice as an attorney. So um, I was born here in Buffalo, uh, born and raised here. Um, and uh, most of uh, my, my good career, I, I spent seven years at a, at, a, at a breakfast restaurant here, which I'm sure most people are aware of. Uh, if you've ever heard of the original Pancake House. Um, yeah. I spent seven years as a kid, started when I was my first job. I worked at a pizza place. I was 14 years old. I made five bucks cash under the table. Uh, and I, uh, I, they let me kind of run the place. And it was just kind of, I just got it at an extremely young age and, and, and learned how to deal with people. And then I started as a dishwasher at the original Pancake House. And, and then throughout college and stuff, I just worked there. You know, I, I worked started as a dishwasher, squeezed orange juice as a bus boy, greeted people as a host and just went through it all. And, uh, that was kind of my start in the hospitality and stuff. But I love this area. I'm a diehard Bills fan. Uh, Bills Mafia, we're, uh, we're out here representing. And... Um, and I've, I've lived away a couple different places, and now I'm back. So your part now is 
Did you say it was the Buffalo Mafia or the Bills Mafia? Bills Mafia, the Bills Mafia. Yeah, I had heard that term before. That's pretty interesting. Uh, so that was going to be uh, a question of mine if you were an, uh, a sports fan for the uh, sports that are in the Buffalo area, but it sounds like it, eh? Yeah, it, usually if you're from Buffalo, you're a, you're a big fan of the, the Bills and the Sabres, and uh, that's kind of life around here, whether we're good or bad, and usually we're bad. Um, but we're uh, good fans, and we have a lot of fun. So, Having been to Buffalo a few times myself, uh, for those of you out there who are listening that have never been to Buffalo, uh, Niagara Falls is, what, what would you say, about 20 minutes north of Buffalo? Was that about right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Niagara Falls is right there, but Buffalo's got a really cool young vibe to it, uh, especially as you get it down into the city and downtown. So uh, if yeah, they've had a really good uh, kind of revitalization of the city over the last you know five five six years, um, and it's it's really taken this um, kind of artistic, beautiful, and just driven you know approach to uh, making the city great and you know the, the food culture here is amazing uh the people here are great it's called the city of good neighbors and uh you know and um it's i, I love living here this is this is certainly western new york is, is my home and, and i love it so yeah and it's very different uh than you know people when they think of new york they think of new york city when people think of michigan they think of detroit but there's so much more to the states of new york and michigan than than people realize because they just focus on that one area buffalo and western new york yeah, people are you know, to, they say yo you must go to new york city all the time i'm like i'm seven and a half hours away from new york yeah. city uh from here i can make it to chicago in almost the same you know amount of time per se and i can be in west virginia in four hours so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's very different, but uh, I encourage, I don't work for the uh, Buffalo Chamber of Commerce, but, um, and I am getting no money from them for this interview, but uh, I can tell you that it's a, a good place to visit if you're looking for places to go uh, this summer uh, or, or even in the wintertime because you, um, you work at a country club, but it also acts as a ski resort too. Am I correct about that? No, so where I live, I live in a town um, about an hour south of Buffalo called Ellicottville, New York. And it is just okay. this um, awesome, magical, cool little ski town. And uh, there's two ski resorts there. So where I live, like I snowboard, so I love the winter. It's funny, I, before this, I worked, I managed a restaurant in ski town. So my busy season was winter. And now in the golf course, it's kind of flipped the script, you know. Um, so I get to enjoy winter. Uh, a little bit more so now, um, but definitely work a little bit harder in the summertime now. Um, but uh, no, but we're connected. I mean, like I said, I, I live in a ski town, um, which is awesome. Actually, New York has the most ski resorts, I think, out of any state in the country, um, number-wise. Uh, and it's just great out here. Okay, that's great. Uh, so now you are the GM of the Briarwood Country Club, and we've established that you've worked at the uh, – international not the international house of pancakes but the original house of pancakes and that's kind of yes, how you get original house of yeah and that's how you got started uh in your professional life um how is it that you went from early management even though you shouldn't have been managing that uh original house of pancakes how did you get from there to the gm of the briarwood country club 
Sure. So I can give you a little outline of just kind of how I went. So um, I actually have a history degree. I played lacrosse in college. I got a scholarship to play Division II lacrosse at Franklin Pierce University. Um, I was always a history nerd growing up, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so when I did my, my major, I just decided to take history because I liked it. I played lacrosse. I thought I'd be the cool history teacher uh, and coach lacrosse at the school. Uh, so I thought I had that kind of planned out. Uh, but then I realized in time I kind of liked history more as a hobby rather than something I uh, wanted to do every day. And, but at that point, I kind of knew uh, I just wanted to do something you know, involving hospitality, entertainment, just fun. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm not a shy guy. Um, and, um, you know, I went to a very small school, Franklin Pierce, and it just, you know, and working in those kind of environments at the original pancake house and stuff, you just, I just learned how to deal with people that you had to in these environments. Um, so that's what, that's what I wanted to do. So I graduated college. I became a food supervisory intern at Six Flags Theme Park in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, I wore a Looney Tunes tie and khaki pants and a short sleeve blue button down. Said, you have yourself a Six Flags Day, miss, and those kind of things. And um, I did that for a summer, and then I moved back home, and I became assistant manager at the original Pancake House. And and at this place, uh, you know, the the way you come in, it was the busiest breakfast place in all the area. Um, and uh, it was one host, which was myself. Still wore khakis at that time. Couldn't get away from it, I guess. Um and, uh, and a green polo. And, uh, and everybody came in and they wrote their name on a dry erase board. And that was the wait list for uh, the thing. And everybody just stared at you. And here I am, this you know, young kid and dealing with all these adults and different people. And everybody's hungry after church to, to come and eat breakfast. And um, it just taught me a great deal of patience um, and just um, uh, kind of a savviness of just kind of dealing with people of all different ages and, and, and expectations. Um, and then after that, I actually, one of my... Uh, best friends at the time. His stepdad was the doctor to this man named Nick Patillo. And uh, I, I reached out to Nick and he worked at Seneca Niagara Casino, which is right in Niagara Falls. And the Seneca's own a couple of casinos in the area. And uh, I messaged him and said, Hey, I really want to do more. I kind of always had this dream of working in a casino. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, but uh, so I got my chance and I interviewed and I interviewed for this job, uh, which was the Seneca Cafe manager. And I interviewed and they're like, you know what? You're just too young for this job, but we love your energy. We love, you know, what you're about. So I interviewed for the buffet shift manager job at Seneca Night Casino and I got it. Um, so I spent two years at the casino um, working in the buffet, which, you know, I don't know how much time we have, but I can certainly tell you some interesting stories of working in a casino buffet. Uh, for three years, which I did. I did two years at Seneca Niagara. While I was there, I became a super user for a software company um, called Digital Instinct for a program called Virtual Roster. Um, and I was the first one in the casino to um, be trained on this. And I became support for um, all, all three properties that they had. Um, uh, at 22 years old, you know, teaching people how to use this and, and, and uh, learned a lot about labor management and productivity and, and those types of things. I got to go to Vegas for a conference for it. All expenses paid as a 22 year old kid. That was pretty fun and awesome. Um, so I was the me, room manager of fine dine restaurant called. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let me interrupt you there. Um, so it, it sounds like based on your, you know, work, this was a great foundation for you to get yourself up into uh, you know, into kind of some next level stuff. And I think that, 
sometimes, and you've, you've gone to college and so did I, but sometimes being on the ground level and learn about people, you know, day after day after day in the hospitality business is something that is invaluable. You know, that probably was one of the most valuable things that, uh, that you learned uh, right off the bat. Do you agree? I do. And, and I've, you know, still to this day, I tell people, you know, I, I'd rather take someone who's worked the front line and, and been in it and learned it, you know, obviously maintained a positive attitude through it um, than someone who just, you know, got a fresh degree in it, you know, and that's all good. I'm not taking away from that. I think uh, all education is good education. Uh, learning is, is the best. Um, but, you know, you know, I had that opportunity. I was considering going to get my master's in hospitality, but I was kind of a, already an assistant manager in a property. And I said, you know, most people that get a job out of college, do what I'm doing right now. And I'm yeah. gaining valuable experience. Um, they gave me the reins on a couple things. You know, I, I just, um, I, I like to think with my, I'm not trying to say this in an egotistical way, but I'm sure if you talk to anybody who knows me, I'm very energetic and outgoing. Um, and I just kind of continue to use that. You know, I put myself in positions to be available. And I, I tell people all the time, I was just a sponge. Uh, I was fortunate to have really great mentors at a young age. And um, that to me is some one thing that I try to carry through in my own leadership skills is, you know, it, you're only as good as the man below you, you know, like, Teach them, train them, let let them, you know, work with people. You know, people need more mentors in life. Just you know, um, telling them when they did things right, and, and not being afraid to tell someone when they, they did things wrong, but with a positive message about you know why we do it right and, and, and how it affects our job and, and how it affects people. You know, I had this great mentor. We called him um, his, his nickname was uh, Big Daddy. His Big name Daddy, was Mike, and uh, I, I, this quick story. Big Daddy, and everybody knew him, and he was the same position as me. I mean, I was 22 years old, and he was 40-something years old, and he treated me with respect, and just like I was anybody else, and he taught me so many things, and what he taught me mostly, was, and this is what I still preach today, is patience, you know, patience and positivity. Um, you know, in our job, we deal with so many different people every day, and, and they really truly only have one expectation when they walk through our doors in hospitality and, and food and beverage, and that they just... They just want to be greeted with a, a smiley face and someone who understands what their expectations are. And they just want to enjoy themselves, you know? Um, and I've always promoted patience and I feel like that's how I've been able to be successful. So this, this gentleman, it, it was a, it, it's a sad, kind of sad story, but it's uplifting where, so he was diagnosed with cancer before I started there. Uh, he had a 5% chance to live and he survived. And he just had this outlook on life that, you know, it, it could be your moment at any day. And I don't want to go down... You know, being miserable or being sad or, or, or worrying about other people's feelings and emotions in split seconds um, to affect me. And um, he just had this great grasp of life. And just as a young kid, it just really rubbed off on me. And, and I'm so fortunate and thankful for that. And I just try to do that even as a, even still as a young person, um, showing people patience um, and process. Yeah. You know? So you mentioned, actually, you, you mentioned three uh, the three P's that I call them. And, and uh, I'm actually going to be doing my high school commencement here when school resumes uh, as of this recording. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we're kind of both in the middle of uh, a shelter in place uh, with the uh, coronavirus issue going on around the country and around the world. So uh, when school finally gets back in, I'm going to be doing uh, the commencements. And I don't have a lot of time. Uh, I have about 
five to eight minutes, and you mentioned two of the three things that I was going to talk about, and I, I call them the three Ps. It'll be patience, which you have talked a lot about, uh, being positive, staying positive, and then the other P that you added to this, and I can tell uh, with your energy level that you have a lot of passion for what you do, too. So, uh, you can take that and, you know, call it the three Ps. If you're ever uh, talking to a group of people, uh, you know, go ahead and do that, but... um, you have the three P's, my friend, and uh, those are good things to have. Um, so, all that it's is also you say that because I've thought that way of the P's. I, I work in terms of P's a lot, so it's interesting to hear that you do that too. I, I've used those terms. The only ones that I, I add a couple more, which is process and promotion. Those are the two that I add on to it. Process for those who are analytical. Very yeah, I think cool. process is important, you know. And so when I took over this club, it's actually, as we talk of all these letters, I also have, I call it the three C's. These are, it's communication, consistency, and culture. Those mm-hmm. are the three things that when I took over this club and everything I do is those are the three areas that I feel um, I really try to, to push at. Um, and, and they all are intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. You know what? People need, uh, just as a general rule of human nature, they just need a couple of simple things to, to focus on and, um, and kind of yeah. remember if you, if you bog people down with too much information or too many things to remember, uh, it kind of takes away from their efforts. So you got, you got the P's, you got the P's, the P's and the C's down. The yeah. P's and the C's, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So uh, you're an avid uh, snow person, but I know that uh, summers can be beautiful uh, out in Western New York. And uh, that leads to uh, your country club. And yes. uh, roughly, when does the season start and when does it end? Uh, so opening day is April 15th. Um, and then people will golf all the way through to basically Thanksgiving, as long as the weather permits them to, especially out here in Western New York, you know, we're lucky if we get seven months of golf, uh, six seems to be about the average, but you know, we're, that's kind of speaks to the breed of Western New Yorkers. You know, we're blue collar people. We're not afraid of the weather. We'll put on a jacket and go golf. It's nothing to us. Um, you know, people just, you know, we like the simple things and just, and you know, we're not afraid of, like I said, the weather or, ch- or challenges, you know, we just get out and do what we want to do. Yeah. And you have to be that way. We, uh, we have the same kind of climate uh, that you, no, you know that in Michigan for sure. Exactly. You know, it's, you have some jealousy when you see people who are living in nice weather year round, but you know what? Home is home and Buffalo is home for you. And, uh, in order to do what you want to do in Buffalo and in my part of the world as well. Sometimes you got to do things by putting a jacket on and going out and doing it uh, rather than putting on your flip-flops or your shorts. I was, this, I was just out there this morning with a jacket and gloves and hat on and, and re-holing the, uh, the greens uh, out there. Yeah, so I think that people don't realize, uh, and you have a, your season, your end season, and you have your off season. Uh, so the off season, you probably, uh, you know, it's probably toned down quite a bit, but the hours that you work at a country club during the season is probably outrageous, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's definitely different. And, and my club is a little bit different. So in the off season, we, we actually have, we have a 12-lane bowling alley on our property. So that nice. maintains okay. some revenues over the winter time. We have leagues that in every day. Um, we do all sorts of fun events. I mean, I'm, uh, like I said, very energetic and, and I like to have fun. And I've worked in food and beverage mostly my whole life. So I'm kind of, you know, the whole golf course thing is a little bit new to me. Um, but the hospitality and member service aspect of it's not. Um, and, and that's what's been kind of exciting. It's been kind of that new challenge for me, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, here, I, I've always been a mixed conception. People always think if you work in a seasonal place at the off season is you get, you know, you get to do whatever the heck you want to do and enjoy your life. And I, I find you work just as much in the off season as you do it in season, because um, it, it, I find when it's slower, business is harder. Uh, you know, when business is busy, you just, you're just going, you know, as long as you have the right processes in place, you just keep moving. When it's slow, there's financials you have to stress about. There's labor that you have to stress more about. There's cost of goods and inventory you have to worry about more. There's, you know, as a salaried manager and, and, and person and, and different people in positions, you're required to work those hours because you can't really have the hourly on. There's not the volume to, to justify it. So, you know, the off season, I find uh, you spend just as much time working. However, yes, in, in the summertime, I will be out on the, out on the course, shaking hands and saying hello and, and checking on people more, more often. So. Yeah. Tea times are when the sun comes up and, you know, you're probably your last tea time is, uh, you know, well into the evening, you know, cause it probably uh, over in that part of the world, the sun probably doesn't go down till nine o'clock or so. Um, you know, in the summertime. So you do a little math, you know, it's 15 hours. So long day. Uh, Thank you. I got some good people, you know, and, and I got a good golf department guys that have been here for a while and, and the, the members know and respect and, and uh, I've hired some new, new individuals since I've started here, young, energetic people. You know, I, I try to only surround myself with people that I know a can probably handle my, my energy uh, and, and be that, that want to keep pushing me, you know, and, and, and be pushed. I think, uh, you know, that's important. We're all kind of really working together. We're, we're learning together. We, we all want the best for each other and for this club. And um, it's been pretty awesome to, to see it all come together in, in, in my tenure here so far. Excellent. So are most of the people that work at uh, a country club, are they seasonal employees? Are they considered part-time? Are they considered full-time? Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a both. I mean, we certainly have a big influx of hiring come March and April. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, a lot of, I don't want to per, per se layoffs, but, you know, our seasonal employees go either go back to school or something along that, you know, come September, um, late August, if you will. Um, we also have a pool complex here. So we hire lots of lifeguards um, and cocktail servers around the pool and, and that nature. So we do have a pretty large base of employees in season. Um, but I have eight eight salary department heads as well too. So it's a pretty large property and it's a large overhead um, to maintain, but it's necessary, you know, with the, with the members that we have, we have a membership relations director, we have a director of catering, we have a food beverage director, an executive chef, of course, maintenance department, golf pro, uh, and an accountant. So... Yeah, that sounds like one big place. So you have oversight over uh, not just yeah, it's a pretty large property. You have oversight over uh, the entire property, uh, including those eight people. Is that is that correct? Yes. So my boss, my boss is based out of Texas. He's the VP of the entire VP of operations for the company. So I mean, I'm the 
I'm the number one here at the club, but you know, we all work together and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, uh, you know, and again, we do have a big property and we, we kind of have this big canvas to do whatever we want. You know, we have working in the private restaurants beforehand is you we're always wondering who is coming in each day. You know, we know our clientele, we, we have our members and primarily we just mostly have to focus on our members of keeping them happy, keeping it exciting and, and being you know, responsible and respectful to them, you know? What uh, what do you find as the biggest challenge with seasonal employees? Um, just general, I think, you know, you, you have to do the training right in the get-go. Um, you know, once you get into busy season, it's hard to continue that training. I think it's important to um, start off on the right foot, spend the time, spend, you know, you know, spend the time and spend the energy and spend the money in, in proper training as much as you can before the season opens because mm-hmm. as much as, as much as I think you want to say, you know, you continue training and do that for those processes in place throughout the season, which, which you do, you attempt, um, you know, uh, that, that initial training is huge. You know, you got to get them off on the right foot. If people go into it, not caring, happy to collect a paycheck, not training cr- properly, that, that's when people start to make their own decisions uh, and they don't put the club first in those types of things. Um, you know, I think it's big, big to start off in the beginning. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I've learned that a lot in working in food and beverage in private restaurants as well too, is, you know, I think the restaurant business and hospitality has become different. You know, it's, it's always do more with less, you know, labor is, you're lucky to make a penny on the dollar. I think nowadays in the restaurant business and these things, um, especially the smaller amount of pop shops, you know, when you look at your, labor costs, which continues to rise for employers. You look at, you know, you have food costs, you have beverage costs, you have just general and admission or administrative costs. Um, at the end of the day, you know, labors, you can't continue to qu- cut the quality of your food. You can't continue to cut, you know, what the cost of liquor is. You can't. The only really variable thing that you can try to is that labor cost. Um, and uh, so I think getting that initial training so you don't have to go through that process throughout the whole year, constantly turnover and, and all that stuff is essential. Um, but, you know, and just making them believe. I'm a big, again, motivation, being positive. You know, I want, I'm a big use of that, uh, the term empowerment. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think um, when you can empower your employees to make them feel like they make a difference uh, and that what they are doing helps the ultimate goal and they want to do that, um, that is something that I think is just remarkable. You know, getting some high school kid that comes to work at your snack shack, but he, he's, he's pleasant, he's polite. You know, he wants to do it because I'm out there visible, hands-on, showing him that I'm doing it um, and teaching him, you know, lessons and values that he can use in life hopefully going forward you know you're going to get a better product going out to your members and to your to your guests and and they're going to appreciate it and in turn it's just going to continue to cycle in a positive direction so it sounds like you uh have a lot of the same philosophies that uh that i think are best when it comes to handling uh, being the leader of of your employees you you lead by example right you know, you believe in training uh you believe in um staying positive and trying to make the, especially with those long hours, uh, you try to make the, uh, the experience for those folks as positive as possible. Because when your folks are in a good mood and when your folks are being positive and patient and have passion, <laughs> going back to the peas, uh, then, then you get the best out of them, you get the most out of them. Yeah, you know, I just, um, I, I, again, I'm a big believer 
just, you know, have fun. Like if you're not having fun in your job, especially what we do, hospitality, food and beverage, tourism, entertainment, we are entertainment. People don't go out to go to a restaurant to, to make it seem like they're waiting in line at the DMV. They want to go out and have fun. They, they want to go out and enjoy themselves and they want a little, you know, um, just what's the word I'm looking here for? Just a little creativity and, and openness and easiness from staff members and people. And a lot of that is, you know, just going back and forth with members. And you know, I use that, you know, we're kind of on theater here. If, if you go to a, if I pay tickets for a show and I go to a show and the actors and actresses don't know their lines, they're screwing it up. There's no passion on the theater. Why am I going to come back and see that show again? You know, why am I going to do that? And it's, you know, I kind of tell these people is, you know, you may not want to be a snack shack attendant your whole life. But while you're here, have some fun doing it. You know, make it fun. You, we can be successful. We can have strict processes in place. But if, and if it's working, it's fun. You know, nobody, it's not fun when things are bad. <laughs> you know, so right. let's just yeah. make everything good and it's going to be fun. You know, um, I'm a, just a big believer that you know, I'm a corny guy. I'll walk around and tell my staff jokes that hopefully just get a chuckle out of them. And, you know, li- life is not easy, man. And, and things come at people every day. And uh, if you can just be a leader and a boss that's, that's reasonable, responsible, respectful, um, understanding, you know, but, but still outline those expectations. You know, you have to explain, look at this is, I'm telling you to your face, this is what I'm expecting. I'm asking you kindly. I'm asking you respectfully. I'll, I'll do it myself and I'll show you how to do it right now. Right. So just understand what that expectation is and let's have some fun, you know, Good. That's awesome. All right. So while you have all these long hours and you you run this country club, uh, you take all that positivity and, and passion and you put it into uh, other things as well. And uh, during our little pre-show talk, uh, you did mention a number of councils and workforces that uh, that you're on. If, if I'm counting right, you're on four of them. So uh, you, uh, you're like the energizer bunny. You just keep on going, my friend. So, um, the, the first one, uh, and if you could just briefly tell me a little bit, uh, about each of these. So the first one is the Erie and Buffalo County workforce counselor committee, correct? So it's the Erie County and Buffalo workforce development. Okay. Board. So I was the current vice chair of a two-county workforce board down in Allegheny and Cattaraugus, which is where I jobs in Erie County. So I couldn't be the vice chair down in that county. It's based off of where you work. So I spent some time trying to get on the Erie County and uh, Buffalo Workforce Board, which I ended up being appointed by the mayor and the um, Erie County executive um, for that position, which I was thankful for. So what we do is we're kind of the bridge um, for employers and trainers. And uh, we work with the, what are the, what are the trends? What are the needs of, of this area's current workforce? Is it healthcare? Is it manufacturing? Is it tourism and hospitality? Uh, and once we identify what those are, how do we, uh, pinpoint what trainings we need to get people certified um, or, you know, um, further training so they can advance their career in those positions. And basically, you know, when employers say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in need of 100 people in the workforce, we try to help them um, get people in those positions. Or say you're a person who wants to change their career. Um, you can apply and, and we would provide funding for your training class. We can provide gas cards to help you get training. Um, we really want to try to shape uh, what the workforce is. Um, we also work with, I know people use different terms, whether you call it soft skills or, or um, 
um, necessary skills and things like that. But we do try to provide general training for people in the area, um, basic interviewing skills, um, writing skills, computer skills, those types of things um, to try to enhance, uh, you know, um, what we're doing in the workforce and how we can provide them for employers. Awesome. So the next one is uh, that you are a village trustee for uh, Ellicottville, New York. What does a trustee do? So a trustee would serve on the village board. So it's compiled to five people. So one is the mayor and then you have four village trustees. Um, and I was uh, elected to this position. I, I really enjoy it and embrace it. I mean, all of these things that I do, it's really really all about people helping people. Um, I like being a person that can be out there that people know of, that they can ask for help. Um, and I just like learning. I like learning all these different things and how they affect our world and my world and other people's world. And um, being a trustee has been great. You know, I've learned a lot about, you know, uh, village water systems and sewer systems and billing processes and road work construction and county taxes and uh, doing what's right for the owners, you know, um, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, all those types of things. It's been quite, um, you know, invigorating to learn about this stuff of what really it entails to, to run a village and run a town. And I've gotten to know a lot of great people and learned a lot. That's awesome. So in a lot of worlds, uh, instead of a, being a trustee, for those of you out there who are listening, you may know those folks as council members as well. Um, so it sounds like, yes. yeah, yeah. So in my world or in my city that I live in, they're, they're all council members. So, all right, awesome. And then you belong to a, a national workforce organization as well. Which one? Um, so it's the National Association of Workforce Boards, NAB. Um, so based out of DC, but we're, we're kind of the, uh, we work closely. There's about 550 workforce boards across the country. We don't work with all of them, but we're an association that works with probably anywhere between 300 to 400. Um, and uh, we, we're just work as support for them. We give them, uh, we work on the Capitol Hill a lot, um, you know, with legislation and, and trying to fight for, you know, workers' rights and and trainers and educators and those types of things. Um, and we help, uh, again, I use that term bridge a lot. We try to be the bridge for these workforce boards and kind of the government, if you will, um, with, with communication and, and action. Um, and, and again, been very interesting. I, I work with people all over the country. Um, you know, as a young individual that's 31, you know, I work with people that are much older than me that are CEOs and own their own business. And, and, and I feel nothing more than empowered when I leave these things to want to help people and, and be better myself in my own business and, and in my life and everything. And it's, it's wonderful. Okay. And then the last one uh, that are near and dear to, to both of us, uh, based on our discussions earlier, is your board member for a organization called Rock Autism. Um, and it has to do with music, correct? Yeah. Yeah, music and arts. You know, this is kind of my uh, my. It's more of a like a personal thing I like to do, um, and it's just it's really it's the it's my favorite thing to because I love music, and I love helping people, and I learned so much about the amazing things um, that individuals with autism can do, and uh, we just want to keep pushing them in the right directions to find what they're passionate about. Um, so we can hopefully build a better life for them going forward. You know, we're not an organization that just, you know, raises money for the fundraisers and, 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 and writes a check. We, we are actually developing programs. Um, and we are, you know, we have our own center now. Uh, we, 
we work with different partnerships throughout Buffalo, um, with production partnerships, um, hospital partnerships, um, and, and so forth. We're trying to build a better community and a better um, support system for, for individuals with autism that want to want to live their lives. Um, yeah. And we've created some multimedia classes um, through that that we, we've done for so far. Um, and we've, we've bought computers and we have a whole uh, center and we teach these individuals how to record music, how to make music, how to uh, try to make a movie, um, those types of things. Uh, we have graduates and it's, it's truly major, amazing um, when you put um, these people in the right spots and, and just find out what they're passionate with. And, and, and it can be music and arts and they're great at it. So. Yeah, that's really good. Anytime I come across uh, anybody who works with autistic kids, as we discussed, I have an autistic son that, uh, you know, it, it's definitely appreciated and, and you're doing some really good things in the world with that, along with your other things. So, uh, so to end our interview, I like to uh, ask, I like to call them bullet questions where they're just quick, they're fast. Uh, they're usually one word answers. Uh, if you want to expound on them a little bit too, you can do that, but, uh, this is unrehearsed. Uh, so you never know what I'm going to ask, although I won't ask you anything too personal during this bullet round. Yeah, pretty transparent, Jeff. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Number one, favorite food. Steak. I could eat. Oh I could eat red meat every day. <laughs> every day, meat. Okay. How do you like it cooked? Well done. Medium, medium rare. Medium. Yeah, I, I I figured you'd say that. You know, anybody who I come across that loves steak like almost every day, they're usually a rare person at, at some level. So, mm. no surprise there. Uh, do you like to cook? I do. I love to cook. I love to study it you know being in this industry i i consider myself just a food and beverage nerd and I, I just love to learn about it and i love doing it yeah all right my signature dish is uh, a very simple lasagna recipe what is spencer murray's signature dish oh man uh, uh i i would say uh I make something kind of crazy, but it's delicious, I think. So it's a, a smoked Gouda and bacon potato cheese like casserole. But on top of it, I actually put frosted flakes on top as the crust. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, it adds a little bit of a sweet flavor to it, too. Sweet and savory right there. You get the both, you know. So, Wow. It's wacky, but it's good. Yeah, uh, I've heard of people putting you know, cornflakes on things, uh, you know, as a, as a crust, but yeah, you take the, take it to the next level with that. So, uh, where in the world would you like to go that you've never been to before? Um, let's see. Uh, actually the one place I, I really want to go to Peru. I want to go to Peru. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just that it's the number one food place in, in, in the world, I think. And it's a nice blend of ocean and mountains and jungle and, and, and culture. And uh, just, I just, that's where I would choose to go. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I had an opportunity to have uh, <clears throat> Peruvian food on my travels down to Miami and um, it's different, but it was really, really good. So uh, I hear you uh, as far as that goes. Uh, public speaker, yes or no? Are you comfortable with it? 
Uh, I am. Yeah, I, I am. And uh, I am always up for the challenge. And, and I, I actually, I think going forward, I'd love to find some more opportunities to be able to, to do more of it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, speaking from experience, those committees that you're on will uh, open up a lot of doors for you to, you know, to be able to speak locally about a lot of different subjects, mostly with, you know, the particular uh, committee or council that you're on. Uh, that'll that'll help you out quite a bit. Yes or no. Your final question, Spencer Murray. Skydive. Yes or no. No. Absolutely not. Okay. I, I thought, you know, you, your preconceived notions when you kind of put these questions together and I thought you just yeah. said, yeah, I, not no, only I'm, did I'm I think, you would, not only did I think that you would say yes, but I thought you would have said a uh, hell yes, or, <laughs> uh, or I've already done it. <laughs> no, no, I am. Uh, honestly, I am terrible terrified of heights and I, uh, I enjoy my life on two feet. I, uh, I enjoy many things. I, I, I'm not a, a thrill seeker in that capacity. I, I get my thrills honestly by, uh, just good fun experiences on the ground. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, my fear is of open heights. So skydiving would be very difficult for me. I've flown so much now getting in, a, it's like a time machine. You know, you get in this tube and you take a nap and you get up and, and you're in a different place. So flying is nothing to me anymore, but I probably will always have that fear of uh, open heights. So, all right. Um, now is the time in the podcast where you get a chance to plug whatever you would like uh, mention a website or, you know, anything that, um, you know, that may fancy you. I, I assume the Briarwood Country Club has a website. Yeah, so uh, www.briarwoodcc.com for Country Club. You know, I'd, I'd love primarily to shout out Rock Autism. Um, we are working on that in a national capacity. We were supposed to go down to South by Southwest Music Festival and speak there and, and play, but that got canceled. Um, we've done shows in LA. We've done shows in New York City. Um, this is something that we are working on um, to, to not only help in Buffalo, but across the country. So check out uh, rockautism.org. Um, and uh, that will be something big. And ultimately, the last shout out is really just, you know, I, I really... Uh, I'm a firm believer that we need more mentors, leaders, and teachers than ever now. I'm a pretty young guy, um, but I've gotten to be where I am and maintain this energy and positive level, positive level because of people before me. Uh, and they've just taught me. I just want people to help each other, be kind to each other, understand that everybody comes from a different background uh, and nobody knows where we all came from and just, you know, put a smile on your face, be patient, be happy, be positive be thankful to be breathing and I'll make the best of it. Yeah, that's uh, that's great insight. Uh, I can say when I was 31 years old, I, I probably wasn't thinking like that. Uh, I was a young dad. I was pretty absorbed in, in many different things at the time, but just kind of thinking about what goes on behind the eyes of every person. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got uh, an issue, some pain that they're dealing with. And, and, and you're right. You just got to be, uh, you got to be good to each other and that'll make the world a better place. So, all right. Very good. I, love well, what I do it. People just want to come and have a good time. And yep. 
I appreciate you, uh, Spencer Murray, being on the Draws cast. Uh, that is going to be it for today. As always, listeners, thank you so much for uh, coming aboard the Drawscast podcast. Please don't forget about my website, drawstalks.com. My books, Inspired, How Our Differences Are Changing the Workplace and Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time, both available on Amazon. Uh, you can get both off of my website as well. You can get a signed copy that way. Uh, and if you want to contact me about uh, a speaking engagement, especially after we get through crushing coronavirus, uh, you can get a hold of me initially on the website as well. So thank you. Thanks again to Spencer. And we'll talk to you next time down the road. Bye for now. You have been listening to the Drawscast podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and head over to his YouTube channel, The Draws, and do the same. Want more? Go to drawstalks.com for more great information and to find out how to book Draws for your next event. And check out Draws' latest book, Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time. Tune in next time for more of The Draws Cast Podcast. <laughs>